Welcome to the Covenant Women Podcast with Dr. Adonica Howard-Brown, your on-demand source for Holy Ghost-filled preaching and teaching. Be refreshed, encouraged, and strengthened as you hear the Word today. Father, I thank you. You anoint my lips to speak your word and anoint every ear to hear what you're saying to them, every heart to receive. Lord, I thank you for the lives you're touching and changing this weekend. Thank you that when they go from here, they will not be the same. They will carry the, your light and your fire and your joy and your peace and your blessing wherever they go. And we thank you, Lord, for this service today and even for tonight and tomorrow. Thank you that you're going to continue to do this work in us and Bring it to completion, and we thank you for it, and we worship you and honor you in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. So I, I, I began, last night we spoke about <clears throat> the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and has no sorrow. So I had started basically from that the scripture, her children rise up and call her blessed, Proverbs 31, 28, so we're, we're basically in Proverbs 31 this entire time, and um, so that meaning of the word blessed, so it means blessed, ob blessed, obviously, blessed and successful and fortunate. It also means to be straight, basically, go straight and lead straight. And um, it was, it's amazing because, like I shared with you before, when I was pressing into the Lord for what he wanted me to preach on, and when that, that scripture came to me, and it's just, you know, eight words, her children rise up and call her blessed, and but when the Lord took me back to the Hebrew and he began to break that word down for me, suddenly those things just shot out at me. To be right and straight, to go straight, and to lead straight. So I wanted to talk about leading straight this morning, that we are positioned to lead. The, the, the meaning of that word blessed in the, in the area of lead straight means to lead straight, to lead on, to guide, and to set right. And so, as believers, and because of the call of God in our life, we are in a position of blessing and influence. From the moment you're born again, you're in a position of blessing whether you realize it or not. And you're in a position of influence because when you're born again, all you wanna do, if you've been genuinely born again, all you wanna do is walk out and tell everybody. How many have had that experience? When you got saved, you wanted to tell everybody. You wanted to bring all your friends to church I mean, and hopefully, thank God, I, had, I was in a church where I knew there was going to be an altar call given. And so I knew I could bring anybody and an altar call would be given. And if they stayed in their seat, it wasn't my fault, God's fault, or the preacher's fault. It was their choice because the anointing was there and the man was not ashamed. And he preached the, the, the gospel to people and gave that altar call. So never be, the devil's always going to try and talk you out of giving an altar call, talk you out of um, talking to somebody about Jesus and talk you out of getting them to pray the prayer. Amen. I was sharing with somebody yesterday that there's a powerful, powerful movie that was out a few years ago, God's Not Dead. And they, they preached such a powerful, unashamed gospel message, and it fell down on the, the, on, on the end of where they didn't have the people pray themselves. I'll pray for you. No, that's not how you get saved. You have to pray the prayer yourself. And it would have been so powerful if they could have just tell, said, pray this after me. Lord Jesus, come in my heart. That's all they had to do. <clears throat> because I almost gave my, I wanted to, I was on the verge of giving my life to the Lord when I was 13, 
I watched the movie after school. They brought it to our school, and uh, it was voluntary. We came, we sat there, we watched The Cross and the Switchblade, the story of um, Nikki Cruz. And I raised my hand at the age of 13 to receive Jesus in front of my friends. And they gave me a little card that said, I received Jesus and to sign it. But I didn't confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe, I didn't do that part. And then the Bible says, if we, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we will be saved, right? And so I went another four, four and a half years before someone finally preached the gospel to me, gave an altar call and prayed the prayer with me. And even though I was arguing in my head, I still got saved because he prayed, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I thought, I'm not a sinner. I haven't slept around. I got a little drunk a couple of times, but I haven't slept around. Then I, then I had to learn, we're all sinners. And we all need Jesus. Amen. <laughs> but nonetheless, I got radically saved on that day. So when you are, the moment you are born again, you're in a position of influence to lead somebody else to Jesus. Amen. So there's power in our prayers because we have the name of Jesus. First of all, we're born again. We belong to him. We belong to the right kingdom. And we have the name. We have his word. Um, people can see Jesus in us. We lead by example. So as we renew our mind to the word, as we get full of Jesus, as we come, become more and more like him. There's so many people that have such an awesome testimony. They came from such a mess. Like, and they tell you, some people tell you, well, when, back in the world, I did this and I did And you look at them and you're like, I can't even believe. I can't even believe you did that. Because... You look like such a little goody two-shoes. I'm just kidding. No, you look like such an honorable, wonderful woman of God. I can't believe that, that that mess was in your past. But God can bring you out without the smell of smoke. Hallelujah. He can redeem everything. And when we look at you, all we see is the work that Jesus did. Because that other stuff, we, we don't, that's washed away by the blood of Jesus. And if he doesn't remember it, we don't remember it either. Amen. So, you know, it's, it's good to share your testimony so people can see where you came from and see what God can do in, your, in their life when they look at what he's done in your life. But I think a lot, especially like back in the day, people would do these testimonies and it would be like 45 minutes of all the stuff that, that they did for the devil and then five minutes, well, and then Jesus saved me. Well, <laughs> you know, the, the majority of your testimony should be what Jesus did in you and the good things he's doing, not all what was in your past and the mess. But thank God he can save us out of any mess that we put ourselves into or that we find ourselves in. So we, with us, we carry God's blessing. We carry his presence. We carry it into our families. We carry it in our church. We carry it in our work that we do. Um, we carry it to the grocery store. Everywhere we go, we are carrying his presence. Uh, Proverbs 22 and verse 29 says, Do you see a man or a woman skillful, diligent and skillful, skillful in their business, they will stand before kings, they will not stand before obscure men. So the Lord will elevate us as we're faithful to be able to be a blessing to others. Amen. So we are the church. We have a culture. It does not matter if we're Korean or we come from Thailand or China or Venezuela or America or Africa or Australia. It doesn't matter where we come from. We have a culture that joins us all together, and that is Christian culture. The Holy Spirit, we are one. We have, we have brothers and sisters around the world. We may not speak one another's language, and we may look completely different from one another. We may have completely different customs, but we are family, and we found that wherever we go, even the, 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 the manifestation and presence of the Holy Spirit 
People would tell us, well, your ministry is not going to work in Japan or this country or that country or the other country. Why wouldn't the Holy Spirit be able to work in every country, in every people? He promised Abraham, in you will every family on the earth be blessed. And he said, every nation, because a nation is made up of families. So as the family is blessed, the nation is blessed. That's why the devil tries to destroy family, because if he can destroy family, he can destroy the very fabric of that nation. And moms, wives, mothers, we are women, are key. We are key to the plan of God for holy, godly, together, blessed families and our family, it might just, you might just be, you know, me and my little family, what do what we, you know, what, what influence do we have? What, what, what can we do for the kingdom? How can we make a difference? But each and every little family who honors the Lord and blesses God and exalts Jesus in their house and loves their, their, their husband and loves their children and raises them to honor and serve the Lord, you are building the nation. And if every family had, had love in their home and had Jesus in their home and, and focused on just building their family, the entire nation would be strengthened and empowered. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so it's not a, a small thing. It's not a light responsibility. And it's not just a small inconsequential thing to be the light of the world to represent Jesus Christ to your family, in your family. Because it's not ever... See, light can't... You can't hide light. You can't hide light. The, the darker... It gets the brighter your light shines. So you might have a teeny tiny little light, but when it's dark, it shines really, really far. You can see a tiny light really far. And so never underestimate that little light. Don't look at it. Don't belittle what God has put in you. It is precious. It is precious. It is precious. Nurture it and grow it. Don't hide your light under a bushel. And so the Lord will will exalt and use us to be a blessing. And that doesn't mean, you know, when, when the Bible talks about, you know, humble yourself before the Lord, he will exalt you. It's not just talking about everyone's going to be applauding you. Oh, aren't you wonderful? You know, and we don't do it for that reason. We want accolades from heaven. We want, you know, because the Bible says we can get, we can get acknowledgement by man, but what we really want is being acknowledged by heaven when we get to heaven. So if you've never acknowledged down here, it makes, it makes no difference because in eternity you'll be acknowledged. This whole world and everybody in it is going to pass away, but eternity doesn't. And the rewards that are in eternity and the blessing in eternity and the accolades in eternity, that is what will stand when everything else is, is, is for, completely forgotten. Amen. So it's that eternal fruit that we're looking at. But elevation, being exalted, means God will promote you into an area of greater authority, but that also comes with greater responsibility. And we have to be prepared to take responsibility. So we have a Christian culture. We are a gift and a blessing to our generation. We carry life. We carry the power to change lives. We carry God's love to the world. We show them Jesus. We are a gift and a blessing in our sphere of influence. We are a gift and a blessing to our husband and children. And we are a gift and a blessing everywhere that God has placed us and called us to be and to shine his light. So it doesn't matter if you're, you know, especially if you're in, in ministry, you need to be shining God's light, but in business, everything that you do, you shine God's beauty and his light. I mean, you, you look at some of these people that, you know, when, before, before Jesus, and then after, you look at their pictures, you can't even believe it's the same person. You know, you see the torment on their life and the, the, the mess that they're in, and then when you see what Jesus does, you wouldn't even, it's like the makeovers, really, I mean, 
you know, this is just some makeup and, and hair, but really God can, can completely transform a person. Um, that's the, the biggest transformation that you can have is from the inside out, what the Lord does and the Holy Spirit does in us. So we have some responsibilities to lead, and we cannot guide or lead others in a straight path if we're not following the right path. So it's very important that we make it, we consecrate ourselves to follow the right path and to honor the Lord in our lives, in our personal life. We spoke about even from our thought life all the way through. So we honor him in our home. We don't live one way in our home and in another way up in front of people. And I, and I think that that's, that's always blessed us and it's been a great encouragement and a compliment to us when people can say, you are the same on the platform as you are off the platform. And you know, happily and sadly, that has been an, you know, the example that's been set. And we've been in churches, we've been in some churches where they had the who's who of the charismatic zoo coming through preaching. But Pastor Rodney stood out among all of them because he was the only one that was consistently the same on the platform and the same behind the platform. And I mean, th there were some people that worked in the hospitality. There's one lady in the Carpenter's Home Church, 993. She worked in the hospitality, so she saw everybody. On the platform, off the platform, she saw the inconsistencies, she saw how they treated people, she saw everything, and she, couldn't, she, she just couldn't believe. It was like Pastor Rodney and our family, was like, we stuck out, like, she just was like, she, she just kept looking, waiting, I don't know, <clears throat> to see if, you know, the other shoe will drop, if, for lack of a better term, uh, to see if he would maybe manifest something of the flesh <laughs> back there, you know, an attitude or a something. Because you can you get them talk about love and you walk out and be mean to people. Now, now if you're in charge, it doesn't mean you're not, you don't rebuke people, but you love them. Amen. And uh, it doesn't mean that you don't have to bring correction to people, but you love them. And so she ended up, the Lord moved on her heart and her pastor, because we never go into some church and say, hey, come work for us. We have people do that all the time. They come and, and come talk to our people, come work for us. Hey, raise up your own people. <laughs> well, we don't have them. Well, that's not our problem. We, we, we didn't have them either, and we raised them up. We preached them this way. Amen. And, and, and they, they obviously cooperated, but, but we, we raised up that culture inside our church. We, we don't believe in hiring from the outside. We believe in raising it up from the inside because they've been through the fire. And they have the heart of the, of the ministry, and they have the vision. Amen. And so, um, really, I mean, it was a compliment to us that, uh, anyway, so her pastor came to us and said, she wants to come work for you. Is that okay? We're like, sure, we did. So, Because we, we had very little staff, and we were doing these huge arenas with like a handful of staff. I mean, our motto was, never has so much been done with so little. <laughs> I'm genuine, genuinely telling you that, I mean, you worked for us early days, right, to Hannah, to from Washington. Good to have you here. And um, anyways, but I, so we have to be consistent in our personal life to honor and serve the Lord, because then we never have to, if you always tell the truth, you never have to remember what lie you told. You know what I'm saying? So you have to be truthful to yourself more than anybody else and be, be consistent. Because, you know, there's people, there's, it, it's crazy, because there's always people looking at you and waiting for you to fail, or waiting for you to mess up, or waiting for you to to be what they think that you are behind the scenes or whatever, and it's actually some people are kind of disappointed when they find out you, you actually, you are what you say you are. You are you, you, the real deal. And I appreciate, I appreciate people who, I like people who are straight. I like people who they are what they are, and that's it. I can take you with even all your flaws. Just be truthful to me. Don't lie to me. Don't pee down my leg and tell me it's raining. 
Don't try and flatter me. You know, I, it, I don't, don't, don't do that. that don't, don't flatter, don't, you know. And, and I want to say, like, as a woman, we, the Lord can use us to be very influential behind the scenes, um, like Esther was, right? She used, Queen Esther, she used discretion and, and fulfilled the purpose of God in her life. But you can use that, the devil can use that for you, for you to be manipulative and, and sneaky and sly, and you don't want to do that. You don't want to, you want to yield the gifting that God has put on your life to the Holy Spirit and not to the, the flesh and the lust of the flesh and your selfishness, amen. So I'm just going to put that out there. I don't want to go into too much detail, but let me just say that. So use your gifting for good, for be beautiful for Jesus. Don't, don't be beautiful. Don't do stuff to lead people astray. You know, we have dress codes here for our ladies. Nothing too tight, nothing too low, nothing too high, nothing sticking out. Um, you know, because we, we don't want to put a temptation in front of the gentleman. And then the woman go, well, they shouldn't be looking. Well, then why don't you just put a sack over yourself then? If they should, if, you know. No, you're being selfish to dress seductively and then, and then you know, and, and put a temptation in it. And, I, you know, men, have, they can have self-control. They can take authority over their own thoughts, and they ought to. Amen. And, but we need to take authority over ourselves and, and humble ourselves to, to love and serve and, and respect them enough to dress nicely and dress modestly and still be pretty. Amen. I mean... You know, can you imagine if we all lived our life just to be a blessing? And can you imagine in the home if, if we had a, a blessing competition that we could just bless our husband and we're trying to bless him and he's trying to bless us? You know, we, have, we, started, um, we started paying for people's um, food in restaurants because, you know, some pastors or some of the, the previous pastors, not the ones in this room, but the pastors we used to know, they, they're the biggest tightwads ever and they wonder why they're not blessed, right? And so... We just decided we're, we'll, we'll pay for every meal. Even when we had took businessmen out, with, even if they invited us, we would pay for the meal. It's like, we're not poor, and we don't expect anything. Otherwise, because most people are like, oh, I think I forgot my wallet. I'm just going to run to the bathroom and hope that they give the guy the bill, you know? No, we grabbed the bill, and we pay. We did that for two years. Two years we paid the meals everywhere we went before we couldn't pay them anymore because people would like wrestle us. I mean, it was almost like, I had to actually tell my husband the one time they were having this competition, him and a guy, no, I'm, pay, I'm gonna pay for lunch, no, I'm gonna pay, no, I'm gonna. So I finally said to my husband, you need to just receive. <laughs> humble yourself to receive. So you know what, you can humble yourself to receive as well, but, but we just kept sewing until, until now. I mean, it's like we almost never end up paying because they go, they, they call, people call ahead to the restaurant and say, they're gonna wanna pay, but I'm paying when I get there, right? <laughs> so imagine how awesome that would be if in every area of our life, we, we, we just we had a blessing competition, I'm, I'm gonna bless you more than you bless me, and that would be just wonderful, hallelujah. So the older and more mature are to teach and lead the younger. So I'm not calling you old, I'm just saying like mature in the Lord, because you can be I mean, I remember when, when we were very young in the Lord, we would preach and we would be a blessing and people would appreciate our ministry. Then they'd go, well, how old are you? Oh, you're just a puppy. You're just, you're just 20, you're just 19, you're just a puppy. And then suddenly, they, suddenly the blessing that they got from you is out the window because they start looking at you after the flesh. The Bible says don't judge anybody after the flesh. You know, look at what's on them. But you know, Pastor Rodney had more maturity in the spirit than these 45-year-olds that had only been saved for two years. So maturity is not just about age, it's about wisdom. 
um, when Paul spoke to Timothy, he said, you know, don't let anybody disrespect you for your age. And he wasn't telling them, Tim, to walk around saying, hey, I'm anointed, don't give me a hard time. It wasn't about that. It was about carry yourself like a man of God. Earn people's respect, but carry yourself like a man of God. Don't let them look at you and see your age. Let them look at you and see the wisdom that's on your life that your mom and your grandma put into you and that you were raised with and anointed to be. And let them respect you as the pastor that God has anointed, not as some kid that's just young in age. Amen. So we grow in God and the word. We grow, and as we go, grow, we, we are leading others. So we need the generations. We need generations together serving God. Amen. A lot of that's been disconnected in our modern life. Um, we don't have those connections with grandparents. Um, there's not, you know, in cultures like Japan, they, they, they very much honor the elder for their wisdom. They look up to them, and that, that's an important part of God's authority structure, even in the church, that we respect those that are older and more mature in age and in ministry experience and godliness. We look up to them. We, we, we admire them. We listen to them. We don't just disregard them. And so if, as part of breaking down a culture, they instill into the young people a lack of respect for authority. And that, that when, when, when you do not respect somebody, you can't learn from them. So if you have no respect for your, your school teacher, they're not going to be able to teach you a thing. If you have no respect for your professor, they're not going to be able to teach you a thing. If you have no respect for your minister, they're not going to be able to teach you a thing, and you'll be a fool, because it's the fool that refuses instruction. So there's a, a generation of foolish children who think they know everything and disregard the older people because they're older, and they don't understand. They've, been, they've lived some life. They have more experience than you. So young people need to just fit a cork and just listen and observe, amen, and learn from the elder. And the elder needs to be a godly example, amen, and lead by example and by, by the word. The Bible tells us in Psalm 127 that children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they'll speak with the enemies in the gate. The thing about arrows, and Pastor Jessica was sharing about little arrows, arrows need to be perfectly straight. So we need to raise our children to serve God and put a sharp point on it. That's the anointing. And so we have to raise them right. Not crooked, not let things go, but we need to, first of all, you need to, you know, to make an arrow, you need to find a, a, a plant that's already growing straight, and then you, make, you need to make it even straighter. Amen. So you pray over your children, you minister the word to them, and you minister correction and discipline. And don't always, don't always just discipline them when they do something wrong. Tell them what you want them to do right. That's part of discipline and instruction. Tell them. My dad would sit us down and say, now, if your friends do this, then this is how you handle situations. Like, if your friends go over the cliff, or you can also go over the cliff. You're going to follow. So he trained us. Don't follow your friends. Don't just, you know, don't just do what you know is right. And he, he would instruct us. And my, you know, and my parents lived it before us, and they, they instructed us. They, before we went anywhere, we received a lecture from my mother. You will sit. You will behave yourself. You will be quiet. You will not ask for anything until you are offered. So we would go to people's homes, whether it was an auntie or somebody else. We were quiet. We didn't disrupt the, the, what the grown-ups were doing. We didn't 
ask, we could have been starving. We didn't ask for anything. We waited till we were offered. And thankfully, in South African homes, they offer you immediately. So that's, you know, <laughs> the moment you come in the door, would you like some tea? Has, and they don't just give you tea, they give you cake and cookies and whatever's in the house. And then you, they invite you over to the house for lunch, and then you have such a fun visit with them, they just, hey, who wants dinner? Let's throw some sandwiches together. I love it, it's awesome. Love that culture, miss that about, about, about South Africa. But we have that sometimes with our Christian culture. We just so enjoy each other's company. We start with lunch and, and hey, hey, let's just do dinner <laughs> as, as well and have fun in each other's company. It's wonderful. So the virtuous woman is a leader and a servant. Even Jesus told us that he said, look, you, in the kingdom of God, it's not like the world where you just get up and boss everybody around and demand. You are a servant. The one who is the leader is the, the they give their life. They sow their life to serve others. So we're, we're serving and we're leading. And the more faithful we are in our serving, the, the greater the anointing the Lord is going to put on us to lead. Amen. And put us in a place where he, because God is looking for a few good men and a few good women. He is, he's looking for someone he can use. Is that going to be you? Or is, is he going to have to bypass you and go to the lady next to you? Amen. He's looking for people he can use. Proverbs 31 and verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her confidently and relies and believes in her securely. So he has no lack of honest gain nor need of dishonest spoil. Her husband can put trust in her. And if your husband can trust you, then everybody should be able to trust you in all your dealings in life, right? So the husband places his full trust in her, in the air of their marriage and their family. For any men that are watching this, and maybe some ushers that are hanging out here, marry a woman you can trust. Don't marry the pretty one. That pretty fades. Marry the good lady, the godly one, the one that's going to be faithful to you, the one you can trust with your life, your secrets, your children, your money. Amen. To not spend on a credit card and hide it from the husband, or be wasteful, or be, you know, you know, marry someone who's, and, and, and we need to be that person who is faithful to our husband, as our husband, that we're respectful of him and his leadership in the family. I understand we think we can, we think we know better than our husband, and we think we can do it better than him. But if you demo that in front of your children, you, demo, you, know, you demonstrate disrespect to your husband in front of your children, even disrespect to your own parents in front of your children, you're teaching them how to be disrespectful to you. And, and the devil would love to destroy your children, and you don't want to give him that opportunity. He would love to destroy your marriage. You're not going to give him that satisfaction. So we are going to do our level best. We don't care what any other woman is doing, but in our marriage, we're going to take care of our husband, and we're going to be faithful, and we're going to be faithful with our mouth and our heart and our money and our respect. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, um, bless my dad's heart. I'm going to tell on him. But, you know, he grew up in an era where boys sowed their wild oats and girls had to be pure and virginal. That's, what the, that's how the world thinks. It's sick, but that's what they think. And so when I met Rodney, he didn't want me to marry Rodney, okay, because I was only 18. I was the oldest. I had to run the gauntlet, right? I had to, I had to break the thing open for the rest of them. Um, I, was the, I was a girl, 
and he grew up, his dad died when he was nine, and he grew up poor, and he struggled, and he worked his tail off, and my mother and my father both worked very hard to get where they were, and, um, and he was an engineer, and, and he was an aircraft engineer, engineer, he was a general manager, and he owned his own business, and he, was, he, he, he instilled that in us, right, that, those leadership principles, and be a leader, and take responsibility, and he really, really, really wanted us to go to university, and he really wanted us to marry doctors and lawyers, the girls for sure, right? And I bring along a preacher with no money. <laughs> and my dad just couldn't deal. My mom got a, spoke to my mother. She prayed. And the Lord said, you know, it, it's right. So she was in agreement. My dad threw all the toys out the cot. So we had many discussions. And one of them was he, was he felt like, well, he was trying to, he tried everything to talk me out of it. The one time, <laughs> Pastor Rodney went, but we have to get married. He says, when's the baby due? We're like, what? <laughs> what baby? <laughs> no, not that kind of have to get married. We have to get married because God put us together. And uh, so, so he, he was telling me, look, you know, well, you know, you can't marry him because he, you know, he could, if, now, if Rodney had run around with other women and slept with them, he would have been, well, no, you can't marry him because he slept with other women, right? I'm pretty sure he would say that. But he, he couldn't say that, so he said, well, he hasn't sown his wild oats, so he's going to cheat on you when you're married. And I knew that I knew that I knew that that was not the truth. If he kept himself before he married me, I, and I said that, I said, if he kept himself before he married me, after we get married... He's never going to have to, I am never going to give him a reason to have to go run around and cheat on me. I'm not going to be the reason. If he did that, it would be his stupid choice, but I'm not going to. I'm going to be the best wife that I can be for him. Amen. Ladies, the most spiritual thing you can do is be the best wife for your husband that you can be. Not praying, not preaching, not being the woman of you know, faith and power. Loving your husband, making his food, ironing his shirts, and just being there as a support for him. Amen. And you can do all that and fulfill everything God has called you to do. There are seasons in your life. For my, when my kids were little, my season was, my ministry was, my kids and my husband. And I was every bit a part of the ministry as he was. I never stood up. I never preached. In, the, in those early days, maybe if he, he, he would ask me to get up and greet people, but I wasn't doing any of that. But I had every much as part of the ministry as he did because I made sure that I took as much stress off of him as I could as far as the children were concerned and the house and to leave him free to minister. Amen. And I supported him in that way, and he supported me when I needed it. Amen. And so that's, and our marriage just grew and grew and has been a blessing because we chose to be a blessing and to serve one another and love one another and consider one another. Amen. Hallelujah. So a lot of marriages could be saved if people would just, just had manners. Amen. Just courtesy in their own home. They sort of have manners with everybody else, maybe not even because they want to, just because they care about what people say about them or think about them. And in their home, they have no manners, and they treat people badly, and they yell and scream and na are nasty and rude. You need to get manners in your house, not just where people are looking at you. Amen. So he needs to be able to trust you with the family, with the household, to manage the employees. 
to manage money honestly and wisely, to make good investments, purchase land, develop it, as we talked about, not to put financial pressure on him, not, and to be a builder, not a destroyer. Because every wise woman builds, and every foolish one pulls it down with her own hands. God's default setting on your life as a believer is blessing. Walk in the blessing, enjoy the blessing. Don't be dysfunctional and tear it down with your own hands. If there's things in your life that, that let the Lord do that work in you. Let him save you, let him wash you, let him clean you, let him make you that godly woman of God that can serve as not so full of her own issues that she just makes everybody, you know. Because there's some people, bless their hearts, some ladies are like life suckers. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like they're so, they're a bottomless pit of neediness. And I'm not being mean. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, making light of the fact that you probably came from a horrible background and had horrible things done to you and you've been through stuff. But now you're saved. You've been saved a little while. You are responsible. You're not responsible for what people did to you when you were growing up. You're not responsible. That's their problem. But you are responsible for what you do now with your life and with your mouth and with your time and with your attitude. Amen. And so... That's why, you know, we, we go around, we can hug one another, and that's, that's wonderful. In fact, Chris Ann, our wonderful lawyer scientist, she sent, sent me this little uh, clip of information, or whatever you want, a little blurb. God designed our bodies so we can hug our, that when we hug, our hearts perfectly align to share an electrochemical charge. We, we, um, so biologically and spiritually, we share ourselves when we give somebody a hug, and our bodies and spirits align. Isn't that amazing? So there's like an actual chemical charge that takes place, this actual process, and we didn't know it. We just thought we were giving somebody a hug. But see, God's principles work in the spirit and the soulish realm and in our, in our bodies. It works, and it's fruitful, and it's, it, it blesses us, spirit, soul, and body. God's principles work in every realm of our life. So it's not, we can't compartmentalize, oh, we're God over here, and then over here we just, you know, not God. No, God is in every area of our life. She is, this woman is trustworthy because she's a woman of character. She's a woman of character because she's spiritually mature and perfected in her love walk. Amen. She's patient, kind, and humble. She's never, this is 1 Corinthians 13. She's never... Um, envious, haughty, or puffed up. She's not conceited. She's not rude or unmannerly. She doesn't act unbecomingly. She doesn't insist on her own rights or her own way. She's not self-seeking or, or selfish. She's not touchy, fretful, or resentful. She doesn't hold grudges or unforgiveness. She lets things go and doesn't take them personally. Um, she doesn't rejoice at injustice or unrighteousness. Uh, she forgives and releases she rejoices when right and truth prevail. <clears throat> she bears up under anything and everything that comes. She's not weak or fearful. She has absolute trust in God's ability to take care of her and her family. She's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Her hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. She never gives up. She never gives in. She keeps her eyes on God and his word. She endures everything without weakening. And God's love in her never fails. And therefore, she never fails. So the love of God is the foundation, a relationship with the Lord, and if we, get, if we can be perfected in the love of God and develop that in our life, 
We will never fail. We will always be an overcomer. And everything in our life will produce good fruit. Because it's all about fruit, right? So it's going to be bad fruit or good fruit. Everything in your life will produce good fruit if you make that choice to walk in the love of God in spite of what everybody else is doing. And you might have a sister that's nasty and a mom that's mean and or even a mean husband, it doesn't matter. You make the choice. You walk in love and you watch everything in your life become a beautiful garden and spring forth and produce much good fruit. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And people can't fight love. You know, our natural human tendency is when someone is when someone fights with us, we try and amp it up and be like louder and stronger and hit harder and be meaner. But the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. And I had, to, I had to learn that because I had a brother like very close to my age and we would wrestle, we would fight each other. And we even like, we, we had these glass doors that had panels in them. You know, there wasn't the whole glass door, it was just panels. And um, we wrestled so much that the one time I, he, he went through the glass door, another time I did. Thankfully it was that glass that just... <laughs> But we, we were com very competitive, right? And uh, then we got saved. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Anyways, but you know, when you, you, you want to win. You want to be aggressive. You want to beat. You want to, you know. And, but the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. So if you want to stop an argument, if you want to stop anger, if you want to stop strife, just soft answer. Just that gentleness will just shut everything down. So when your husband's been mean, just be nice to him. He won't know what to do. When people are mean to you, you be nice to them. They don't know what to do with that. It like, it like takes all the wind out of their sails. Amen. So she's a comforter. You know, the dad in the home represents the father. The mom, the wife in the home represents the Holy Spirit. And we have all those attributes of being a comforter and, and being, you know, uh, the influencer, the lover, the gentleness. The Holy Spirit's very gentle but he gets his point across. Amen. He's, he's gentle, but he is full of power. So we can be gentle and full of power. We can comfort and encourage and do only good. It says in verse 12 of 30, Proverbs 31, she comforts and encourages and does him only good as long as there is life on the inside of her. So with her life, with her last breath, she is comforting, encouraging, and only doing good. She lifts others up and she doesn't wait to be lifted up. You know, even in the world, people say, if you want to have a friend, be friendly. So whatever we need, start giving it. It's the same with like, like you know, I talked about earlier we, I, with the four bucks and we started, we needed money, so we started sowing money. Well, if you need love, start sowing love. If you need kindness, start sowing kindness. Start sowing that and you'll find it'll come back to you because the Bible says, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, that and that only will they reap. So you're reaping today whatever you sowed yesterday. So if you don't like what you're reaping, then you need to change what you're sowing. Amen. She's a builder. She's not lazy. She's not a destroyer. She works and builds. She does not have a victim mentality or cast blame or make excuses. She takes responsibility. She's not a whiner. She's not a complainer. She's not a nagger. Nobody likes a whiner, complainer, and nagger. And let me tell you, if there's a, somebody in the church that knows everybody's gripes, if there's somebody in the church, and men are guilty of this as much as women, but maybe women a little more, there's the lady in the church that knows everybody's, whatever everybody's mad about, they know it. There's something wrong with you if you know everybody's gripes and moans in the church. You made your ear a garbage can, and you picked up everybody else's offense. When somebody comes to me complaining about someone else, 
I'm going to love on them, and I'm going to tell them, why don't you do what the Bible says and go and look them in the face, sit down with them, and talk it out? And what are you coming to me for? What do you want me to do? I know what they want me to do. They want me to sympathize with them against that person. And no, I'm not going to, because God is not on your side against them, and he's not on their side against you. So get over it like little children. You're behaving like little children. The Bible says when we're fighting and biting and devouring one another, you're a bunch of little kids, and you need to grow up. Amen. So we need to grow up in God. Stop whining, complaining, fighting, arguing. But you don't know what she did. I don't care. What does it matter? That's her problem. And then you're unforgiving and you're angry. And then, again, unforgiveness is like what? Drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. And if you don't deal with it, it goes down to bitterness. It contaminates and defiles your life. And it contaminates and defiles everybody and everything around you. Amen. You know, there was one guy... Bless his heart, the early, early days of the church, we were slow in Bush Boulevard, and he'd had health problems his entire life, so he was quite small in stature. I, I can't remember what happened to his wife, but he was a single father, and he had major kidney problems. And do you know that everyone that ministered to him in our church, and even people who did not know, visiting preachers that prayed for the guy, um, they all spoke to him about forgiving. And do you know that that man would not forgive? And he died and left that child an orphan, because he wouldn't forgive, and God wanted to heal him. There's areas of our life that God wants to bring healing to, and we won't allow because we're holding on to this unforgiveness. Amen. So we have to, I like the way the Bible says, drop it, let it go. And then forgiving is not just going, okay, Lord, I forgive them. Now you deal with him. <laughs> Punish them, squash them like a bug. True forgiveness is, look, Lord, I forgive them. I'm asking you to forgive them, like Stephen did, like Jesus did as our example. That's harder, right? That's harder to do. It's easy to say, oh, I forgive them, but God's going to take care of them. No, you forgive them and you release them and bless them. Bless your enemies. If, if we have to bless our enemies, how much more do we bless our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ? Even though, look, you, you, you don't have to like everybody, but you do have to love everybody. And when you love them, it changes your perspective. And when you love everybody, you find there's very few people that you don't like. Amen. I sure don't like the devil, but, but I love people because they're valuable and precious. God says so, and so if he sees them as valuable and precious, then, then I do as well. Amen. So um, she's in, in Proverbs, she's not a brawling, contentious, disagreeable, nagging, quarrelsome, and fault-finding woman. You know what, ladies? In, in your marriage, sometimes you just need like, like zip it, stop talking. Some husbands, I watch a poor guy, the guy never says two words. And you know what? He gave up a long time ago. Because the wife, he's just like, da 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 My husband's not like that. He'll be like, he told you already, right? Shut up. And sometimes somebody just needs us nicely, kindly to say, shut up. Close your mouth. Because your mouth keeps running, and you're running yourself. You're, you're breaking your family down. You're breaking your house down. You're breaking your marriage down. You're breaking everything down because you keep running your mouth. And then, you know, you, listen, ladies, there's a saying that, you know, a husband gets married to a woman hoping they never change, and they do. And a wife marries a guy hoping she can change him, and he, he they, you know, finds out that doesn't work. They don't change. And so what, whatever people are right now, when you marry them, it's gonna, they're going to be that amplified. 
So you look at like the things that the things that drive you nutty about them now. Maybe you're still in the Twitter pated stage and nothing drives you nutty. You think they're perfect and they're hung in the moon. But anything that like it's just a little off right now is going to drive you moggy when you're married to them, right? So you need to like sign up for the package and you need to decide, I'm, I'm going to get the attitude adjustment. I'm not going to try and change my husband. I'm just going to get the attitude adjustment. I'm going to look on the bright side. I'm not going to look at, well, well, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that, and I didn't get, you know, because you, you get married with expectations and some of them are very unrealistic. The husband's going to do this and be that and what, you know, and then, then you get married and then he doesn't do those things. Like he doesn't take out the trash. He doesn't pay the taxes. I had to take out the trash and I had to pay the taxes and I had to do the dirty diapers. But you know what? There were so many things that I got that I didn't ask for, that I didn't expect, that were like so awesome over the top, exceedingly abundantly. And I can focus on the exceeding abundant that my husband is to me. Well, I can focus on the stupid things that irritate me, not even because it's a thing, just because it irritates me. Like where you, where you squeeze the toothpaste right? So I'll go in and fix his tube, and I'll go, he squeezes it in the middle, and every now and again, I'll go and squeeze it from the bottom for him. He doesn't know that. He records me in the shower. I didn't even know that. <clears throat> A few years ago, I would have been so embarrassed. Now I just think it's hilarious. It is what it is, ladies. Amen. It's a joyful sound. <laughs> I'll just say it's a joyful sound. Anyways, but I did not know that. That is too funny. I'm going to have to go see what else is in that phone. That's dangerous. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. That's hilarious. He's fresh. I know he loves me. I know he loves me. <laughs> Proverbs 21.9. It's better to dwell in the corner of a rooftop than with a house shared with a nagging, quarrelsome, and fault-finding woman. So a lot of women, we do it because we, we're trying to get our husbands to respond. And they're trying not to respond because they know when they do, it's not going to be well with them. So they just keep quiet or walk out the room because they don't want to say what they think because they don't want to hurt you. They're being nice. And the more they clam up, the more you go. So maybe you should go on a fast. Not, that, not food. Well, you can go on a food fast. Go on a mouth fast. <laughs> Cut the word. Don't. Hmm? Zip it for a few days and ask your husband for his opinion about stuff. You'd be surprised how smart husbands are. They have a lot of wisdom. They do when we keep quiet and actually ask them. But they gave up a long time ago trying to help you because you won't be quiet. Am I scratching in somebody's kitty litter box? Sorry, not sorry. Because I had to learn this too. So I'm not just telling you something that I didn't have to experience and learn. Amen. So whoosh. nagging is tearing your house down. Nagging destroys your, your marriage. It's not, you're not going to get him to mow the lawn by nagging. You're not going to get him to do the things you want by nagging. You're not. Why don't you encourage him? Why don't you build him up? Why don't you look for something good? It's just one thing that he does that's good. Pick on that and tell him how awesome he is and how you love him and you respect him because of this thing, you know, whatever it is. And then it's amazing. You watch him blossom and respond, and then you just find something else. And, you find, and the next thing you know, the Lord, will, whew, the Lord will so bless your marriage if you will do that. If you'll stop nagging and fault-finding. The guy married you. He's still with you. 
I know he's like, I don't have to say I love you. I married you, didn't I? You should know I love you. No, we need to hear that every day, and not because we have a short-term memory, but because they are our mirror. We want them to tell us we're beautiful and they love us. But, you know, we need to also be able to draw that out of them and not squash it. And not, you know, we want them to, to love us and tell us we're lovely and beautiful and be encouraging, and we're discouraging them. Why don't we just close our mouth, love them, stop nagging, stop brawling, stop being contentious, stop finding fault. Go tell it to your pillow. Go tell it to your cat. Go tell it to the Lord. And then tell the Lord, I have a bad attitude. Please help me. Help me to not be so critical. Help me to not see the bad stuff. Help me to see the good. And I'm telling you because there's phases in your life that you'll go through, and if you haven't been challenged with that, you can potentially be challenged with it, of where everything your husband does drives you bonkers. But you can choose to, because he can do that to you too. Right? And most times they don't. It's us who get all pedantic and picky and start picking on them about stupid stuff that doesn't really matter when they're providing for us and they're being the best husband and dad that they can be. Amen. And so, so I had to learn, stop looking at the negatives because the devil would highlight the negatives to you. Pick, choose the positives, focus on the positives, and you'd be amazed how, how suddenly all you see is the positives and not the negatives. And that is building, not tearing down. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This woman, she leads by example, willingly with a good attitude. So she works hard. We look through Proverbs. I won't read it all, but she works with her hands, the wool and the flax, the hands of the spindle. She's also organized. She's organized and she plans ahead. Um, so listen, you might have some of these areas of your life that you n maybe you're not organized. Maybe that's not your gifting. Maybe there's things you struggle with. Pray and ask the Lord to help you. I find that works. I know how many of you found that out? In an area that you're lacking, just pray and say, Lord, you know, I don't know how to do this. Please show me how to do this. Please help me grow in this area of my life. Please help me to be organized. Please help me to plan. Please help me not to be a procrastinator. Please, please help me to, to finish what I start. Please help me to be motivated. And you'll be amazed how when you start asking the Lord to help you in these areas that he does. It's, it's just, it's wonderful. Her lamp, so she's organized, she has a plan, she also has employees, it's okay to employ, you need to have vision for your life, right? You need to let the Lord bless you. People complain, oh, I'm all burdened down. Well, believe God for the prosperity and the blessing that you can pay somebody to help you. Amen. Amen. Pay someone else for their time. I had a hard time with that until I heard somebody say that, pay them for their time. Because, well, it's my responsibility, I need to do it. I can't let anybody else do it because I need to do it. And only, only I can do it properly. Everybody else is not going to do it properly. Only I'm, I'm the only way. I'm cleaning up before the maid gets there, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> the, I had to let somebody help me. I, I, had, I had to pay somebody and, and for their time to help me because my, the most precious thing you have is time. And I was at home, all I was doing was cooking and cleaning and not being able to spend time with my family. So I paid someone, well, I still did, still did the cooking, but I paid someone to do the cleaning. So I would have more precious time with my family. That is my most valuable asset. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, you know, don't abdicate, don't leave everything to somebody else to take over everything. You, she's still, this woman still, this um, Proverbs 31 woman, she still wakes up early and gives them direction, right? So you're still in charge. Still be in charge. Don't just abdicate responsibility. She's re her lamp doesn't go out. In other words, she's reliable, dependable, and she helps bear the burdens of others in their time of need. And so that when she's in a time of need, God will send someone in her life to help her. 
She supplies the needy. She doesn't forget the poor, but she makes provision. She plans to take care of the poor. She plans to help others. She sets money aside. She sets things aside to be a blessing, to help those that are in need. She gives her time, her money, her things, whatever she can, however she can sow, she, she looks for an opportunity to sow into someone's life who, who needs something. Amen. Because at some point, we're all needy, and we need somebody to help us, give us a helping hand, and help us to position ourselves so that we can pass it on. You know what? We love to give. We love to bless people. And we're always blessed when we start sowing into people's lives, and especially when they're new to this principle, and then we watch them turn around and bless other people. We don't expect them to give a gift back to us every time because, you know, we want to be able to freely give, and they can bless us back if they want to, but what we expect more than them blessing us back, because God blesses us, He takes care of us, is for them to carry, we want to see them carrying it on, blessing others. And so when you bless someone and you bless them, and then they just become, and they, oh, you paid for me last time, can you pay for me this time? Uh, no. We, we paid for you to come so you, we, can, we can instill faith in you and you can grab a hold of the message and the key to appropriate it in your own life. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, we didn't even know Debbie, but she sat in the meeting and she heard Pastor Rodney teaching about it and, and you know, some offenses rose up. Well, you know all that stuff. And the Lord's like, really? It's one thing knowing it here. It's one thing putting it into practice. You hear a single mom with a totaled car, and, and, you know, and, and so she was like, okay then. And so she started sowing the little that she had, and God developed grew her, not just financially, the financial miracles, but the favor on her life, the protection on her life. God raised her from the dead, hallelujah, and God elevated her ministry and took her before great men. You know, he elevated her, but why? Because she was faithful. She took what she had, and she applied it, and she obeyed God, and she had a good attitude, amen, in doing it. So the law of kindness is on her tongue. She opens her mouth in skillful and godly wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. That was one that always popped out at me, because I can be, when I'm in stress mode, I get um, kind of, like I love people. I've got the people mode and the goal-oriented mode, when I'm in stress mode, I go totally goal-oriented. Suck it up and get on with it. <laughs> I'll hug you later. I'll think about your feelings later. Right now, we can't feel feelings. We can't cry. There's no time to wimp out. We've got to get this thing done, right? <laughs> but I had to learn that the law of kindness, the law of kindness, the law of kindness. I mean, I'm sure, how many of you have at least one scripture in Proverbs 31 that's yours, that God has... <laughs> slammed you with it, like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. Thank God for that. Thank you, Jesus, for your word that, that spanks our bottom, but then puts us on our feet. Amen. Hallelujah. So the law of kindness. So you can still say, but it's not, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. You can bring a rebuke in love, and it'll be received. She looks well to the ways of her household, and the bread of idleness, gossip, discontent, and pity she won't eat. So she doesn't run around gossiping. She doesn't run around interfering in everybody else's business. Listen, there's, there's so much responsibility the Lord's put on each of us. We don't have time to meddle in other people's business, right? And there's a principle of whatever you judge someone else with, you are bound to do the same thing. You bring that curse on yourself. You bring that temptation of yourself. When you judge someone else in an area, you're going to fall into that pit. The devil will make sure of it. So don't judge other people. Love them, pray for them, and just focus on what you need to do Get that done, and 
you don't worry about everybody else is doing. Just focus on what the Lord's calling you to do. And, and <clears throat> Paul even said in, in Timothy, he spoke about, you know, the widows, the young widows, like, because they were talking about um, the widows that are widows indeed, because there was family's responsibility to take care of the widows. And it's still family's responsibility to take care of widows. And so they said, look, the ones that are truly widows that have no family, let the church's resources be put into helping them. But at the same time, they need to sow back into the ministry by serving the ministry and serving people, loving people, praying for people, right? They don't just sit on their bum doing their nails and then they get handed money and checks. No, you serve the Lord. I'm living by faith. I'm sitting at home watching TV. That's a crock. <clears throat> if you're living by faith and you don't have a job and you, have, you could haven't been able to, just get up and go win somebody to Jesus. Go be working for Jesus. That's living by faith. Amen. And watch how the Lord provides for you and open doors. So these women, <clears throat> they would have a tendency to run from house to house, gossipy, gossipy, idle, and that's where all kinds of problems start. Because, yes, we love each other, ladies. We love chatting. We love, but some of that, if we have too much of that going on, that can lead down the wrong path and cause and it's all gossipy stuff. And, you know, so many people, so sad, especially back in the day, they'd have these prayer meetings. And it was more like a, a, to gather gossip on everybody. Ooh, did you know? Let's pray for her. She's going through this. You have to really guard against that <laughs> to not do that. So he said, look, if, if, the, if the, the young ones, let them go get remarried. Let them stay at home and let them raise a family and not run around causing trouble in the church. So we have to resist that temptation. We have to understand those are the temptations that come to us and we have to not allow. So the qualities of a healthy church, um, you know, even some, some of the young ladies, uh, it's great having friends around you, but if, you, if you, all you do is just hang out with all those young ladies and you don't get on with what the Lord's called you to do, you know, how, how, how do you expect to even find a husband? Would all you, all you just hang out with girls all the time in this little girls group? It's like you, you need to get out, you need to meet people, you need to go into, you need to be in the general population and get to know some people. <laughs> Amen. And don't just close yourself off on a little girl group. And meet some other people and get involved in things in church. That's a good place to get to meet people and get to know them. And you know what? So many people have uh, not considered somebody as marriage material at all, didn't even look at them as that, till they were put in a situation where they had to work together, and then they got to know each other with no pressure, right? No, no dating or expectation. Just get to know them as a person and then realize what a wonderful person this is. So you need to give yourself time to get to know people. I would tell my people dating, my people, my children, dating is not, you know, to like, you know, I'm dating this person now, I have to marry them, or I can't, I can't date, again, dating, coffee, movies, dinner, right? Nothing else. Not going home, not Netflix and chill. No. <laughs> and so, so dating, dating is not to... Just a, oh, oh, I can only date this person if I'm planning to marry them. Don't put that pressure on yourself. That's stupid. Just dating is getting to know somebody in a, in a comfortable environment where there's no pressure. My mother always said, Look, be friendly, but don't get serious. Be friendly, but don't get serious. Don't, don't try and cling to every boy that just looks at you more than once. <laughs> right? Ooh. I think he likes me. And then you start getting his phone number and calling him and bugging. Woo, let him chase you. Right? Just be happy. Be friendly. They'll come look. Those boys will come looking for you. They're looking for a happy, friendly, easy girl. Not one that has so much makeup on. Amen? Someone who's comfy in her own skin and just happy and sweet. That's who the guys are looking for. 
I won't ask for a show of hands, Pia. I don't know, some of them may be married, some of them may be not. But they just want the girl next door, just some uncomplicated sweet girl, not some complicated high maintenance <sighs> handful, <laughs> right? So just be there, be happy, be friendly, get to know people. So dating people is just getting to know them so that you can figure out they're not the right person for you. Yeah. Amen. When, when, when I was a kid, teenager, oh, he's so cute. I'd get to know him, oh no. <laughs> he has all these things and then all this is missing back here, you know? And, but when I met Pastor Rodney, he, he was the real deal. It was like he had that, and then he had that, and it was just more and more. As the more I got to know him, the more I realized how amazing that he was. And you know it's the right person because you bring out the best in them, and they bring out the best in you. Amen. Hallelujah. So we all have a responsibility, the older to the younger, to minister, to represent Jesus Christ because people are watching us. We do right, not because people are watching us, just because it's right, right? <laughs> and we are in a position of leadership, whether we, whether we want to be or not. People are looking to you. I've seen that in the past. I did not think people were watching me, and then they will tell you, well, I'm, I've watched you. I'm watching you. You're all watching you. It feels a bit creepy. No, it's, <laughs> anyway, not really. But people, I, it's like I had this hairdresser the one time that was very skittish about the things of God, and then a, the lady that worked right next to her came to our church, and so, so she would do my color, and I, I would just love on her, and I never felt to, like, you know, push her for any kind of a decision about Jesus. I would just love on her. And the other lady came to after, like, months, and she said, she's watching you. I said, I know she is. And then and when 9-11 happened, the next day, <clears throat> um, she was doing my hair. And there was nobody in the salon but her and I, and she asked me every question. It was almost like she, she asked me every question that I would want to ask her on the script, you know, well, what about this, what about that? And I ended up leading her to the Lord and praying with her at that moment. Amen. So, so we were in a position of leadership, whether we like it or not, people are watching us. And so we need to set that good example. Um, we need to, uh, in Titus it says, speak the things, Titus uh, chapter 2, 1 through 8, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. The older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, love, patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to wine, much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, I exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, a pattern of, of doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, um, that one who is an opponent may be shamed and have nothing evil to say about you. I want to say that the culture is pushing us towards uh, destruction. And so in the, in the schools, if you've been brainwashed into um, you know, not wanting to be married and not wanting to have children, and for those of you watching out there too, that's not of God. God said, you know, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, right? Nothing's going to run out at all. Uh, things, things run out. Thing, do you know why there's poverty in the world and, and destruction? Because people worship demons. They do. You look Africa, you look India, you look all those places where they worship demons. There's poverty, destruction of every kind. People are cruel to one another. They, they abuse the woman. The women are nothing in the society. But where you have a society where people honor the Lord, amen, even if the, the whole society, but just if there's strong churches in each city that honor God, there's strong people that stand up for the, God, for, for the word and for, for the Lord, then blessing comes. 
Blessing comes, blessing comes. We've seen it in Africa, we've seen it in Guatemala, we've seen it all over the place. When the gospel is preached, it brings blessing to a nation. Preached and received. And people are, when people's hearts are changed, everything. It's not about funding, it's not about jobs, it's not about you know, the, the, the West giving people handouts. It's not about education, it's about, it's a spiritual principle. Amen. And so it, it applies in a home as much as it does in a nation. And so if some of this stuff, <clears throat> stuff, when it says, tell a young woman, love the husband, so you've got to get married to have a husband, right? And I know some of you are saying, yes, but, yeah, but I want to be married, but, you know, I mean, we just, we can pray, and the Lord will bring the right one, but you have to pray in faith, and you have to pray expecting, and then, and make yourself presentable, right? Go and wash your face, put makeup on, dress nice, do your hair, and be happy, be friendly, be kind, do all those things, and you know, give God something to work with. And, um, <laughs> right? Men are very visual. They like looking at pretty things. So, you know, I, I understand there's, there's probably more girls looking for husbands, then there are men available, good men. But you see, it's our responsibility in, to raise good men. Amen. And like I said, not try and feminize them. The culture is trying to feminize our boys. No. We, we raise them to be godly, strong men of God. Amen. So I'm very thankful for my husband because he can show you, he's someone that's very godly and kind and loving, but he's very strong. And you can be a man can be those things, and men need that role model, and we need to encourage our men in that. So we need to do men's meetings and ladies' meetings, and we, we, we do do the men's meetings, and bless their heart, they just sit there like a bunch of bumps on a log. <laughs> you have to put, get the fire under them. So I'm glad I get to preach to the hungry people, the ladies. <laughs> I don't envy my, my husband his job, but anyway... So whatever, we have to ask the Lord, Lord, burn out any idea that comes from hell. <laughs> you know, anti the family, anti marriage, anti men, right? And we have to ask the Lord to give us the, the right perspective on, on the world and on our life and our expectations for our life. Don't, you know, there's a lot of women, that, a lot of young ladies, I want to be married, really? You're, you're, you have a, you have, you're in a castle. They didn't even kidnap you and put, you put you in the tower. You put yourself in the tower. And you have a big moat, and you have this drawbridge that's up and spikes on everything. <laughs> you're not happy. You're not friendly. Don't tell me you want to be married. You don't. You're still, you, you, you still have the walls up. And only the Holy Spirit can help you bring the walls. And I'm not judging. I, I love you. Bless you. If I could do it for you, if I could find the guy, if I could make it happen for you, I would, I would totally, if I could. But I cannot, I'm not a fairy godmother, and I can't wave a wand. <laughs> and God can't wave a wand over you either, not that he's going to, but he needs your cooperation, right? So we have to say, Lord, do the work in me. Make me, not just, not just help me find a husband, make me the woman of God you want me to be so that I am prepared and ready when my husband comes along. That he doesn't walk by me, but he goes, whoops, wait a minute, that's the woman I've been looking for. 
He who finds a wife finds a good thing. So they're looking. Just, you know, you don't have to look. You just have to be there to be seen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the Lord, the same way, like, uh, right after I got saved, I was ready to save three months, and I went on this youth camp. Pastor Rodney was there. 600 kids were there. My brother and I by ourselves with this youth camp, we didn't know anybody there, and he stuck out to me. And it wasn't like, oh, he's so cute. It wasn't that. It was like something, a quality in him, like a, like a quality, like he stuck out. My brother remembered him. And, and the crazy thing is he remembered me. I'm, I was a nobody. I'm just this little girl, just got saved. You know, he was up there with his guitar singing. He was, you know, hooked up with Youth for Christ. I was just a little kid, just just got saved just at the youth camp. And he remembered me. So God highlighted me to him and him to me. And we never officially met till like a year and a month and a half after that. But God highlighted, so God will highlight. God can do that. You know, you trust him for that. A lot of, a lot of people can, they trust God in some areas of their life and then in other areas they just have no faith in the Lord to do it. And then they want to get involved and they want to do it. Well, you can do it. You can wangle it. You can push it. You can try and make it happen. But you're just going to be frustrated. Give it to the Lord. Amen. Let him do it. So we lead by teaching, instructing, and doing. We have to raise up this next generation. And the Lord told Israel constantly, he said to them, love God with all your hearts. So Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 through, through 9. He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we got to do that. Lead by example. And then he said, the command must be in your heart. Teach it to your children. You are responsible to teach what you know. You are responsible to give. You know, when God called me to preach and I was starting out, believe me, my gift was, my seed, I mean, that thing was, my talent was very small. And it was smaller in my eyes maybe than God's eyes, but it was very small. I didn't feel like I had anything to give. And the Lord said, just give what you have. Just give what you have. When we give what we have, then the Lord can, can, can multiply it. And so we, it's our obligation to teach the younger generation. We cannot die and go to heaven without passing the torch to the younger generation. We must teach them. We must love them. We must exhort them. We must bring correction. We must discipline. We must encourage. And we must instill in them this, the, the love for the Lord and his word and to be a warrior for Jesus Christ and to not back down, to never deny him, to stand strong in the face of persecution. Amen. Being a Christian is not for wimps. Amen. Being a Christian is not for babies and wimps and losers. Being a Christian is for winners, overcomers, those who are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Amen. Hallelujah. And when we honor God, our seed are blessed after us. We can't help it. Our children, can't, my children can't help it. My grandchildren can't help it. They're going to be blessed whether they want to or not because they're my seed. That is my promise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says in Psalm 37, the faithful man, the godly man, is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. And their seed, Isaiah 61, 9, their seed will be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All that shall see them shall acknowledge that they are the seed which the Lord has blessed. Amen. 
And then Isaiah 65 and verse 23. They shall not labor in vain nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and they are offspring for them. Our children are the generation that will be mighty on the earth because we have walked righteously, we have walked uprightly, and we have led them in the ways of the Lord. Amen. And we don't care what anybody else is doing, what any other church is doing, what any other lady is doing, whatever any other family. Our family is going to be blessed. Our church is going to be blessed. We are going to stand strong. We are going to represent God before heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. We're not going to be weak. We're not going to fold. We're not going to capitulate to what the devil wants, but we're going to stand, and we're going to make a stand. Amen. And that is what we're doing here. We're doing this in the church. Every night, we are making a stand. And let me tell you, right, we, we went on this first trip out internationally in three years, and everywhere we went, people came and said, we are watching the stand. I'm, t I'm talking about not even just in, in the mall, there's people coming to my husband in the mall in foreign countries and saying, we are watching you. You, are, you have been our lifeline. You are someone's lifeline. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand up with me right now. We're going to make a confession. Lift up your hands and say this with me. Say, Father, thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that my cup is overflowing with blessing and joy. Thank you that I am blessed. Thank you that my marriage is blessed. Thank you that my family is blessed. Thank you that everything I touch is blessed. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm the head. I'm not the tail. I'm above. I'm not beneath. I'm an overcomer. I am strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. His word is working mightily in me. I am more than a conqueror. I have strength for every battle because Jesus lives in me and I'm a doer of the word. I'm a godly, anointed, blessed, prosperous, righteous woman. And God is working on my behalf He's working everything out perfectly. Everything is coming together to be a blessing. My life is blessed from the top to the bottom, from side to side, in every way. Because I love Him and I honor His Word. He gives me the very desire of my heart. So thank you, Lord. For all your goodness toward me, your faithfulness, your kindness, your graciousness. Lord, help me to do what you've called me to do, to be what you've called me to be. Do the work in my heart and make me the woman of God 
that you have planned and that you have called me to be. And I thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name. So right now, since I picked on the singles, I'm going to pray for you. So you can lay, raise your hands or no, whatever you, whatever you, whatever you want. I'm going to pray blessing on you. So Lord, I pray blessing on all the singles in this place. Thank you, Lord. A lot of them have really desired to have a husband. And Father, I just thank you that you are going to give them the right man. Lord, make them into the woman of God that they are called to be. And may you highlight them to the right and godly man. And Lord, we pray, even for our children, even for our young ladies who are not old enough to get married, we pray for them. We pray for their spouses, Lord. We pray for their husband, that your hand is upon their husband wherever they are, and that you are raising them up, and that you are protecting them, and that you will bring them together at the right time. Thank you, Lord, that you have the perfect person for us. Lord, whatever we call to do, Lord, if our anointing and our calling is to serve you single, we're going to do it with joy. We're going to do it with joy and rejoicing, Lord, because we put our life into your hands, and we thank you, Father, that you know everything, and you know the desire of our heart. And so, Father, we lay these things down to you. So just as a Shunammite woman, even though she had laid down the, the desire to have a child, and she didn't even regard it anymore. She didn't think about it. She, she had, but it was still in her heart. I thank you, whatever Lord is in their heart, each and every lady, not just the singles, but whatever you've put in their heart, their deepest desire, that as they run after you, Lord, and to do right and be right, I thank you that you will take care of that thing in their life, and you will give them the desire of their heart. So as they focus their life on being a blessing to others, Lord, you come and you overtake them suddenly with mighty, exceeding, abundantly, over-the-top, excessive blessing in whatever area of their life that they need it. And Father, we rejoice and thank you. And Lord, so again, we speak life over every lady. We speak blessing. Amen. We speak supernatural blessing. Say this, I'm not out there looking for blessing. Blessings out looking for me. Who wants to come lead us in that? Grab a mic. Come here. I'm not out there looking for blessing. Blessings out looking for me. I'm not out there looking for blessings. Blessings out looking for me. Who blessings looking for? I'm not out there looking for blessings. Blessings out looking for me. Come on, y'all gotta say it like you mean it. I'm not out there looking for blessings. Blessings out looking for me. Hey, double dose, double dose, double dose of the Holy Ghost. Double dose, double dose, double dose of the Holy Ghost. I'm not out there looking for blessings. Blessings out looking for me. Hey, you gotta move with it. I'm not out there looking for blessings. Blessings out looking for me. Oh, I'm not out there looking for blessings. Blessings out looking for me. Eggs, hey, you bless. You bless. We bless. Cause we serve the best. You bless. We bless. We bless. Cause we serve the best. Double dose, hey, double dose. Double dose of the Holy Ghost. Double dose, double dose. 
double dose of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Why don't you give the lady next to you a high five because we're the head and not the tail. 